Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Predos. Episode 14. We are in Denver. We just saw the Nations League, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. I came on a little adventure here, joining my friend Joe Rod of El Tri Online, Ramon Chavez, his sturdy companion, and we pumped out a lot of content. We have a lot to talk about. We'll recap the game and talk so much more about what this means and what this meant for Denver. This was a party, folks. It feels like the pandemic is over. As I always like to do, a reminder, please subscribe, leave a review, leave a review now, rate it. We need that feedback so this podcast can grow. We appreciate all of you tuning in with some frequency. We're gonna keep it going. The summer is gonna be a lot of fun and it all kicked off right here in Denver at the Nations League, where USA played Mexico in an unforgettable game for better or for worse. This is the Soccer OG. Let's go. Welcome into the Soccer OG podcast. I am here at Empower Field at Mile High. USA taking on Mexico. Now, I'll be recording the podcast a little bit later and give you my thoughts on this game. But I want to give you a little flavor. Can you hear the fans? It's a little bit rough on my audio, I get it, but bear with me. You get a little taste of the fans. They said it would be 42% capacity. It feels like it's about 50,000 people here. It's fantastic. It's better than I could have hoped for. It's intense. The game is good. There is a lot of chippiness. The two teams are going at it, but that is par for the course for the United States, so and U.S. United States and Mexico, but it's great to be here. This facility is where the Denver Broncos play. They are in the midst of bidding for a, a, a World Cup site. I would give it to Denver in a heartbeat. First of all, if you are a tourist from Europe or South America and you come to Colorado, you come see a game, you rent a car, you go to Aspen, you go to Telluride, you go to Vail, life's good. Colorado, great breweries, great food, there's some other things that you can partake that are illegal now that you do in Colorado, which I would imagine is a bonus for visitors. So Denver, to me, makes a lot of sense. Book it, put it into the World Cup. It's been thrilling here. I've been been able to, to see a game. I mean, you forgot what it was like. You know, we've been to some games where it's 10%, 20% capacity. But this is a proper game that is going on here, and uh, I love it. I love it, and uh, I want more of it. So, I've been here the last couple days doing content on YouTube, doing content on Twitter, trying to get the name out there, and the numbers have been through the roof. So thank you for all that support. I appreciate it. Soccer OG podcast is going to be really fantastic coming in. It's going to be a great resource for all of you, the loyal fans, the new fans. Thanks for joining us as we get into a very busy summer. The European Championships coming up. I'll have a big Euro preview coming up next week. We'll be joined by Taylor Twelman. That should be uh, enlightening. Give you give you an idea of what to expect. I think it's going to be a great competition, but we can't predict it right now. Can't predict it. Twenty four teams and. 16 teams made a third place team won it last time so what can we possibly do but it's good to be back at a stadium 50,000 let's call it 50,000 fans I'm recording this at the half we'll come back and I will record the rest of the podcast and get you ready for the summer here very quickly so there's a lot of questions with the US and I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the game 
It's halftime, it's 1-1. The United States uh, were getting shredded in that first 45. Mistakes, mistakes, and they're hanging in. They're actually were down two goals, and there was a chant crowd, dos, dos a cero. So we know the history of that. The United States made a, a living of beating the Mexicans to nil, dos a cero. So Mexico had a chance to go up, dos a cero. And then they reviewed the goal and they took it away, and that gave me so much pleasure where I see it. I will say this, I have the utmost respect for Mexico and El Tri. Uh, this wouldn't be fun without them, because it's a target. It's a, it's a country that you know has so many eyeballs on them, and then you get to be under those that watch as well. And if the U.S. beats them, you know you're going to make their life miserable. Those are all important parts to this rivalry. Mexico lifts us, Mexico lifts the entire region. So I'm just thrilled to be back. This is the Soccer OG. Please subscribe, rate, and review so I can continue to deliver the goods for you. I will be back. I'm going to be looking. We'll be talking to some of the folks from LD Online who have joined me here, Joe Rodriguez and uh, Ramon Chavez. And we'll talk about the game a little bit after. Check out my YouTube as well because I will have a full game recap. We're here. We're back at sports. Episode 1 of USA Mexico. There will be another one in September. There will be another friendly late in the year and there could be possibly a meeting at the Gold Cup. Soak it all in. It matters. Even in a made-up tournament like the Nations League, which really doesn't matter, but it kind of does. Soccer OG. We'll be right back with more. I'm going to try and paint a picture here right now. And uh, there's three of us. Joe Rodriguez... Ramon Chavez and myself, Max Bredos, we're outside of a bar about 200 yards from Empower Field at Raices, the Raices Brewery, which hosted us today and were fantastic. And they're letting us sit here while the stadium is cleared. So you'll hear traffic going by, but I wanted to capture some of what happened here in an incredible event. And I'm just going to give you some background as to why I'm here in the first place. I wanted to we covered the Nations League a lot on the YouTube, and we certainly did it here on the podcast as well. Please subscribe to the Soccer OG podcast. Thank you for the support. Leave a review. Rate us, preferably full stars. So I, I spoke to Joe Rodriguez, who runs El Tri Online. Check out El Tri Online. Fantastic content from the Mexican perspective of the national team as well as Liga MX. And he said he was going to be here. And I was like, all right, this is an opportunity. Should I... I get my tail out there. I'd like to sit around this weekend and do a happy hour and maybe you know, sit in a hammock, relax, get the summer going. But I said, no, you've been working on this content. You've been working on this brand. Get out there and maybe something special happens. Well, it certainly did. And we did a live YouTube show. The numbers were fantastic. I did a Twitter hit from outside the stadium. What I normally would get, like 800 views, like 5,000. So I realized this was a smart move. And I don't know what it's going to look like after tonight once we tabulate all the stuff that we're doing. But this is something that everyone's going to be talking about. We have mentioned the Nations League as a new tournament that was created. It doesn't mean anything. And they have Nations League all over the world. In Europe, we've seen it. And it hasn't been received with much fanfare but that was a different situation here tonight in Denver semifinals were on Thursday the USA and Mexico narrowly squeaking out results against Honduras and Costa Rica setting up this game and if it wasn't this game it would have been a missed opportunity and I can only imagine if I missed what happened there tonight 
which was bonkers. So Joe, Joe Rodriguez is here. You, we, we mentioned, we did some things about the atmosphere. You're going to have to share my microphone, so you're going to have to whelp, whelp it in there pretty hard. So um, we were here the night before. I go, there's no, there's no energy. There's no fans on the streets. There's no cars driving by, blowing their horns, going, Mexico or USA. I was like, maybe this isn't going to be a big deal. We heard of 30,000 people, maybe more. We walk in that venue, it was jam-packed. Just the higher level didn't have folks, but I would say somewhere in the 60,000 range, and they were loud, they were passionate. It was, I mean... Obnoxious at times. Obnoxious at times. But I wasn't quite ready for that. And look, no one wearing masks. And I'm not here, I'm not here to be the COVID police. But again, we should all be very careful. But it was, it felt like somebody 10 minutes earlier came out and said, COVID's over. Enjoy yourselves. That's exactly what it looked like. That's exactly what it looked like, Max. I mean, folks were walking around uh, without masks, without any problems, you know, but I'm fully vasectinated. Vas 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 I, I thought you meant like you got, you got your vasectomy there. <laughs> I'm fully vasectomized. Vasectomized. No, thank God. <laughs> anyway. Um, I agree with you. Thank God. My, my point is that um, it, it felt almost normal. That's probably the biggest What was missing? That there was still a lot of people with masks. Not, there were not, people with know. masks, and there wasn't completely packed. Uh, and I was told that, uh, you know, at the uh, media, um, at the press box, to put on my mask. I had dropped my mask, and I couldn't find it. So I was able to get in there without a problem, but they told me, hey, wear your mask. And I was like, well, I lost it. Uh, they're like, well, we'll get you one. So they got me one, but I told them, even if you're fully vaccinated, like, yeah. I think that was more of a press thing, so... Uh, restrictions come through different means in different places, right? And I think uh, organizations have the right to police whatever they want. And, and they always go after the media, the poor schleps. Of course, of course. But anyway, so yeah, that's probably what was missing. And, and obviously, uh, an additional 30,000 fans. <laughs> yeah, I think there'd have been like 20, 25,000 more would have been to the capacity. And uh, I came in here, you can hear, I and mean, we're, we're I, I kid you not, we are here on the corner. It's going to be, it could get really hairy here. Uh, you can hear sirens, and uh, everyone's cleared out now. We walked out of the stadium. It was bonkers. People were pouring out because they just saw something incredible. It wasn't a great game. It was uh, it was hard to watch. It didn't have a lot of rhythm. Uh, both these teams. The first half was awful, man. I'm sorry. Well, I missed the. We got there a little late. I missed the goal. And yeah, I, that's true. <laughs> I was sitting there. I go, this is a good game. All right, 10 minutes. And then I look at the board. I go, Mexico won. When did that happen? And he goes, man, the guy next to me, I was sitting next to Luis Miguel Echegaray, who works for CBS. He goes, first minute, bro, 60 seconds. Tecatito Corona. So I was bummed out there. You know that uh, Paul Carr tweeted out that um, it was the uh, fastest goal in the uh, series history in official competitions, but uh, not quite the fastest in uh, overall. The friendly by Carlos Hermosillo, three seconds <laughs> faster. <laughs> Thanks, Paul Carr. <laughs> Wherever you are. Wherever you are. He actually reached out to me. I was hoping to see him. He's a statistician extraordinaire now working with CBS. And uh, it was a bad mistake by Mark McKenzie. And I think when, you know, when we look at this U.S. team, we have some issues defensively. We have a really good center back in John Brooks, and that's about it. Mark McKenzie's still very raw. Tim Ream probably, I mean, Mexico went at him over and over and over again. They found success. That's where they had the goal with... Uh, with Linus, who looked great. That was the best I've seen him on, on the national team. Yeah, uh, I was actually giving Ramon a hard time about Linus. 
because after he scored the goal, there was a couple of instances where he found himself on that you know right hand side, but couldn't deliver anymore. It's like weak shots from him, right? I mean, I, I even feel like the goal was a little bit of a fluke. That's just my personal opinion. But at instances and at points, he did have like you know a little bit of that flashiness. He's got a lot of potential, but just the fact that he doesn't get PT at Betis as regularly as he should, I feel like it hinders him. And we can talk about this stuff all night long, Max. <laughs> where like people say that, oh, at least he's in Europe and he's getting the training time and all that. It's not the same. Play the goddamn game. Get the competition. That's where you get the real, you know, tenacity and the real like, you know, like rubbing the, the, the shoulder to shoulder and all that. You don't get that with your teammates. Everybody wants to win, I get it, but it's not the same as a real game. I get this argument all the time, and I talk about it with Zach Steffen, and they go, well, he's getting great training at Manchester City. I go, that's not the same. And our backup goalkeeper, Ethan Horvath, who became the hero, same situation, although he looked very sharp. And I, I think one of the talk, the, the talking points is, is there a goalie competition? Zach Steffen got injured, but Ethan Horvath locked in, and he made the penalty save on Andres Guardado. Okay, we... I meant Guardado. Let's talk about Andres Guardado. Well, here's the thing, right? Um, I know that earlier we were talking about how fellas like Andres Guardado, like that have been part of this national team for such a long time, have the um, the hierarchy, which I feel just uh, it carries so much weight in the locker room on the field. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think Guardado should have been the one to execute that penalty kick because obviously it didn't turn out quite well. But when you got a guy like Chucky uh, Lozano in there, right, who's on fire, why not let Chucky take the penalty kick? So I love Guardado. Guardado's probably one of my all-time favorite players despite being from Atlas. But uh, he uh, he shouldn't have taken that penalty kick. And this is not going to take away from his trajectory. It's not going to take away from everything that he's ever done. But just for the sake of argument, I think that most people would probably agree with me, Max. Somebody else should have taken that penalty kick and it would have been a different story. But that's the problem when you have Andres Guardado, you kind of have to kiss the ring and say, all right, I'm taking the penalties. But do you do you really have It to? happens all the time. I, I mean, I saw it with teams that didn't make the World Cup. I remember with Italy and, you know, when they didn't make the World Cup and they're still uh, Gigi Buffon and Andrea Pirlo, go, let's got to play him. No, you don't. The USA played their youngest team in a competitive match today, and I think U.S. men's national team were very proud about that. I don't, I don't think it's anything to be too proud about. It's, uh, it's um, a situation where they've made that shift. They're going, we're going to a young team, and it probably means the end for guys like Michael Bradley and Josie Altador. They're not going to be back on this national team. But you want, you can, you can combine some things here and have some veterans but by and large you want these kids to figure it out on their own and that's what the U.S. kind of doing and Mexico's kind of in between there's some young players then there's those guys in the height of their career such as um, Hector Herrera um, certainly in a situation with uh, Chucky Lozano and Tecatito Corona it's just a, it's just some of the older guys Andres Guardado may be time to move along uh, well Sorry, you mentioned earlier that uh, we were here side by the street, and then there's some little situation happening. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't be here. We're the last. We're the last three people here at this thing, but uh, it's uh, it's a little bit crazy. I, I got. Uh, sorry about that, Max. Uh, with this situation, I got kind of sidetracked. But anyway, um, you, you were talking about the youngsters, right? Talk. Is that what you were saying? 
Well, having older players when you want a younger team, it's kind of developing. Okay, uh, they were saying that the average age was what, 24 and change for the U.S. today? Yeah, or a tad under. Right, so with Mexico, I think you have like a variety. Uh, it's not necessarily a bunch of young players. I think you have a, a decent mixture. And I think that makes it even more difficult, right? Because then that's where you do have that hierarchy and a lot of these players, it's not just Guardado, right? Like, you know, you have a lot of, uh, a couple of the older players like Hector Moreno as well, right? Um, uh, Nestor Araujo, these guys are a little bit on the older side. And and even Chucky, Chucky is what, 24? Tecatito yeah. is like 27, 28. So it's not a young team. It's not that young, right? Like the only like youngins really are like Ness, if you really stop and think about it. Because all the young players right now are with the under-23 team in that uh, you know European tour trying to get ready for the Olympics. So that's the other thing about Mexico. We really didn't quite see like all the Mexican players that we could have potentially seen. So that's the other argument that I would make about tonight's game, that um, I don't feel like either team had their full uh, lineups, like, you know, like their entire rosters, right? Because like, a lot of those U23 players from Mexico are exceptionally well. Like JJ Macias, you know, he's like one of those players. Is he? I mean, because we we were talking about this team, and everyone said, "Why isn't Chicharito in there?" But should it be, should it be JJ Macias? Should he be the guy getting the opportunities? I think so. I think that again, you know, you have to give these younger opportunities, uh, you know, these younger players the opportunity. Chicharito, he was through his performance was screaming for the opportunity to be called. And there's always, obviously, the, there's those rumors about the Tata Martino situation, right? I've heard through many different sources that they do not get along and they don't see eye to eye and that it's more personal. How much of that is true? You know, there, there's a lot of BS that you hear around the media and even, like, you know, behind the scenes. But he, he, he deserved the call-up and he wasn't here. So, and the thing about Chicharito is that he brings a lot of energy, yeah. you know? A lot of enthusiasm. He draws a lot of attention out there too. Exactly. He's just, a, he's just a, a, an assassin inside there. Which is what and I, he's playing well for club. Which is what Inez did a little bit today. He was definitely drawing a lot of attention. You know, if you saw a lot, every time Inez was, was, was making those little moves, two, three guys would like try to like, you know, surround him. But you're absolutely right. That's exactly what Chicharito does. You know, he's very agile without the ball. He makes a lot of nice movements. So I think that you know it showed that Chicharito was missed a little bit here today. I will say about both teams, neither squad is uh, is is a game changer by any means. Neither team is a squad that I could see make a quarterfinal or better of a World Cup. Both are very far away. They have big flaws. They have situations where this game was played by the, the coaches because they were looking for how they could exploit these other teams. So a lot of work. Again, it wasn't one to put in the Louvre, as they say. This was a game that uh, had a, a, so much to it, but the, the quality of the play still lacking because there's these two teams that still have a long way to firm up and find out what they're supposed to look like when it's really important in September in World Cup qualifying when these two teams start that process. And obviously the added pressure for the United States who missed the last World Cup. There's no way they missed the World Cup, I don't think. But uh, this, is a, this is a good team. And they barely, I mean, they're just getting started. Christian Pulisic, just like the semifinal, didn't get a lot of touches of the ball. He had a 20-minute stretch there, and he obviously scored the game winner, and he tucked it away beautifully against a uh, world-renowned penalty stopper in Memo Ochoa. But Christian Pulisic still needs to put together a, not just a 90-minute game, a 45-minute game where he's effective. He just he dips in and out too much. Weston McKinney was fantastic. Corner kicks were great. 
They look dangerous every time, and they got goals on the first and the second U.S. goals were off corner kicks. Defensively, they have to work on that as well. There is, um, it's, we've got to find the right combinations of players. I, I, I know we have better defenders out there. We know Aaron Long's injured, and there could be some guys. And again, just a reminder, we're on the street here because we're trying to bring it live. We're just very, we're a stone's throw from, as they say, <laughs> of there. But it's, this was a good win for these kids. You know they grew. And even when the Christian Pulisic and the crew are getting just destroyed by projectiles, that's something that they needed to kind of, you know, just thicken their skin and build their, their that's, profile. That's actually, um, that's actually a pretty good experience for them, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but speaking of, uh, you know, fighting and throwing projectiles, I, I was just like, you know, I'm watching Twitter right now. And I'm just thinking, this second half was incredible, man. It's got to be one of the most exciting second halves I've seen in quite some time. And 30 extra minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, the I extra just, time was terrible until the VAR, which we'll talk about next. Right. So, but I was just thinking, like, for those people that ended up watching the Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul fight, like, who would want to watch that over oh, this game? This kicked its tail. You know what I'm saying? And I was just, like, thinking about, like, hey, man, like, it, it was... Um, it was an exciting game, and again, like you know, even being on the on the losing side of things as a fan, it didn't make you feel that bad. And not, uh, we spoke to some fans after the game, Max, very gracious Mexican fans, and uh, you seemed a little surprised, were you? Yeah, no, they're like, good luck, we'll do it. No, they took it well. Look, the Mexican situation's a dilemma. They're going to get eviscerated uh, because of what happened in that corner. That's 20 people or so that got carried away. It stinks. Like 50 cups, but... <laughs> no, it was it was terrible. But that's going to be the takeaway. But everyone was good. It was like people were... I mean, we were exchanging stories with U.S. fans, Mexico fans. Everyone was excited to be here. This was cathartic for a lot of them. So I really enjoyed that. But unfortunately, that... The the chant, which is... Um, is going to be a, uh, a big... It's going to be a big issue when you... Um, how you deal with it. Because... That's not the way to deal with it. Oh, by the way, look at that. The, the U.S. buses are going by. What up? Yeah! <laughs> that could be the Mexico bus, too. It could be. Could be. That was very cool. So, um, to stop the game for three minutes and then ten minutes and then say maybe we'll suspend the game and maybe someone forfeits it. What's that all about? And by the way, they stopped it and it was like I heard, I heard the chant. And I'm not saying this is fine. You, you want to squash it and you got to do it. But it was like 50 voices going, ah. I go, we're going to stop the game for this? There's always right. going to be some charlatans that you have right. to deal with. <laughs> what, if you hear on one voice? Side. It wasn't a lot of voices. On any side, too. I Come mean, on. like... Por favor. You, you, you can't stop and think about... Here, here's the thing, Max. <laughs> In every single sporting event, right? Like, if you go to a Philadelphia Eagles game, all right, or New York Jets game, what are you going to hear? You're going to hear all kinds of crap. So... There's well, look what the NBA's going through. With everything's getting tossed, the guy threw popcorn. Which Most fans are well-behaved. That's the reality. They want to come here, have a good time, be entertained, and go home, right? Nobody wants to end up in a stretcher. Nobody wants to get hit with anything, right? They just want to have a good time. That's what they want. But you're right. When there's only, like, 50 voices, like, you know, in, like, uh, in a stadium that's sitting 38,000 people, like, really, is that what you're going to do? I get it. They want to try to send a message. And look, I'm all for eradicating this this uh, this chant because it just means nothing. At the end of the day, you know what it is? It's ego for a lot of stupid fans. It is. It gives them, it empowers them where they could stop a game. 
Exactly. And go, I got, let's scream it and we'll stop the game. Exactly. It's power. Which is dumb in, in, in the whole. But at the end of the day, again, for a handful of fans, get rid of them. And people actually were getting thrown out of the stadium. Yeah. Not just uh, today, but, you know, on Thursday as well. It was crazy up there at the CBS where they had their desk. There's some guy ran off and it was Clint Dempsey and Kate Abdo and he came really close. So this is just life coming back from a cold, cold winter and everything uh, coming through and seeing what we had. The uh, What else do we take away from? Oh, officiating. Oh, my God. My goodness. Don't even go there, but we have to. Well, we didn't have VAR. We didn't have VAR in Coca-Caf. Right. This is the first time you have the VAR. <laughs> they used it three times, <laughs> and they they were wrong each time, and they gave a penalty. <laughs> well, one it benefited the United States twice, so that was uh that was fantastic. It was um, because they took away the Mexico goal, then the United States came back with the final penalty, which was honestly I saw it. It was a penalty, but it wasn't egregious. It was a missed time. Christian Blizzik was a little separated from the ball. You could have viewed it and seen it as a penalty. The VAR reversal on the penalty for Guardado at the end was also, uh, I guess, nothing crazy. I was fine if they didn't have VAR and that, that's, and those penalties were not rewarded at Look, the end. I, I mean, and obviously the advantage that, um, it, it turned out to be obviously an advantage for the U.S. with that, uh, that outside goal, you know, with uh, Hector Moreno. You know, so... The game's over if that stands up. That's It'd be, my point. It, it really stays dos acero. Did you hear the chants? Everyone's going, dos acero. Well, and then I, they go, VAR, it's no goal. And I, I just started I, laughing. Cause, well, the funny thing is that I was laughing myself internally because I tweeted, oh, you know, not the dos acero the U.S. wants to hear. Right? <laughs> and then, like, immediately after, I was like, oh, shoot. Forget VAR. it. <laughs> Forget it. And that was that. But um, overall, the officiating, I mean, I, I would probably give it, like, a five and a half. Concacaf, it's just—I always say the one thing about Concacaf officiating, it's always consistent and consistently <laughs> as weird. There was Hector Herrera should have had a red card. I don't know what, how do we address it? But look, the United States could have been could have been very upset, but the weird officiating absolutely helped them here, helped them get here. We got the goals. Uh, Ramon, you come over here. Ramon's been sitting there. He's editing away. Ramon. You said we were going to get goals. You said it was going to be 3-2 Mexico. You're almost right there. No, I, I mean, I did predict it was a... Wait, 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 wait. This is that voice he is. It's like, welcome to the quiet storm here. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 right here? Am I, I good? Go right yeah, okay. You sound better than we do. <laughs> uh, no, I did say it was going to be uh, a 3-2 score, but in favor of Mexico. Unfortunately, it went the other way. Um, I, again, But unfortunately for who it tell him, because his... his I, uh, I know Max was going for the U.S. <laughs> the entire time, but... I, I, I'm just, but I told you, I was just happy that they were there. And if they lost, I've been good. This is good. They, we got an opportunity because this is, at the end of the day, this means nothing. It's good to build, to set a foundation and build off of it. But I was happy. But obviously, getting the win there, I'm pump, pumping my <laughs> fist. It felt really good. No, it felt good to be back in the stadium. Uh, disappointing as a Mexican fan. And but again, like you, you two were saying earlier, the atmosphere is back. The the Concacaf is back. All those the shenanigans that come along with it, but but that which we what, like. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes our game fun, and I think that's what uh, fans enjoy. Um, ultimately, a lot of questions for Mexico. I do not agree with that. What Tata Martino is doing, I am ah. disappointed in what is going on with the players. Does Raul Jimenez have such an impact on Tata Martino's scheme that he cannot find anyone else to cover in his absence? That's the question that I have because. 
these past few games in 2021, Mexico has not been able to score, you know, a lot. And when it's coming down to the wire against teams like the U.S., you're going to need those goals. You're going to need those uh, leaders to step up. So definitely a lot of questions, a lot to unpack. And, you know, you can see the fr frustration in Tata Martino by, by getting thrown out. Hey, and Tata Martino, remember, he said, I got two number nines. And then he doesn't start either one of them. I mean, that's kind of like this bait and switch thing. I go, look, we have Henry Martin. We have Alan Polito. We have two really good number nines. Neither of those, neither of those fools got in the game. So what's... <laughs> no, exactly. And so what are you supposed to expect? Uh, Martino has been a little bit defensive with the press, saying you, you guys are the ones making it up. We're looking at what he's doing and calling him out on it because he's not getting results. So what are we supposed to expect? Uh, a lot of questions. I know the answer to it, you know. What is the answer? The MLS player of the month, Chicharito. They need him. <laughs> they need him. Honestly, Martin did Chicharito not do anything. Chicharito was the number one trending topic on Twitter. I saw that in the corner. I was like, uh-huh. Martin did not do anything. Tata does not have the confidence in Pulido. So who else is left? Funes Mori? Yeah, why wasn't Pulido? Jota, we said Jota, Jota. Would you like Jota, Jota Macias? He can't even score for Chivas. Why would I bring him over here? <laughs> but then again, here's an America fan speaking, though. I know. I saw he was, like, talking about America. Great jersey, man. I saw that. I was like, get it's out of here. The worst. Typical America fan. Maybe that's the – there's a lot to take around. These are things – I'll say a few things, and you guys can add to it. Takeaways here. USA goalkeeper is still up for grabs. Ethan Horvath, huge. USA grow up with this young team by getting this victory in more ways than one, not just winning it, but going through that process. Three, it feels like the pandemic is over, but maybe at the top of this, Tata Martino's in hot water. Tata Martino comes off here bruised. Greg Berhalter, everyone's wanted to get rid of him on Thursday, now he's better than Tata Martino. He's not. I don't know about that by starting Tim Ream. So. <laughs> what a disaster, right? I, I don't want to pick on Tim Ream, but Mexico went at him, went at him. How many folks are still out there? All done? <laughs> Some of the fans are coming out. But no, there I, has I, to be no one left there. No, just to they kept that, going at Tim Reed. Exactly. Once the once the Mexican team decided to see, you know, once after the first goal, they noticed that Tim Reed was there. Lainez, <laughs> as soon as he came in, Tecatito, Chucky. Uh, there was one uh, occasion where um, Brooks was yelling at Tim Reed to pick up Chucky, and Tim Reed seemed disinterested. I'm not sure what was going on during that play, but uh, I think the U.S. coach is lucky that, you know, Mexico wasn't able to score more more goals because it, it would have been ugly if uh, with Tim Ream out, out there on the field. Tim Ream is viewed by Greg Barhalter as like that experienced guy that I can lean on to, but I don't think that's going to happen anymore. He went the full duration too, so he couldn't have been that bad. I mean, I think he was exposed in the big moments, but if he still played a full 90 minutes and he got to give him some credit, but McKenzie made the big mistake there. He came around a little bit at the end. Brooks didn't have a clean game either. I'm a little worried about that because Mexico had a lot of chances. In that 30-minute extra time, they were right. pressing hard. I mean, this could have been 7-4. <laughs> it that, was wide open. I, I go back to this, um, the, the entertainment factor, right? Again, going back to how the game itself, uh, especially early in the beginning, was ugh, like a little lackluster. But then it turned just better and better. I think with time, it just like... You know, got, like the teams were beginning to loosen up, and they like just opened up. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that scared the bejeebers out of me. That was my microphone dropping. Um, Takes a beating. I, I was I was just saying that uh, they 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 opened up. You know, like they were loosened, and there was a lot of back and forth. It was 
very entertaining. Um, but I have a, a question for you specifically. What did you make of like the young stars? Like we haven't really talked too much about Dest and you know uh, Reina. Reina's the, Reina's our best player. How do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, I don't think so. But anyway, <laughs> what's with you and Gio Reina? That's what I want to know. What's your name? He got hit by that coke thing at the end. It was it was gnarly. But he's been really good these two games. He's active. He pushes. Christian Pulisic is the best player. Let's not kid ourselves. But he didn't look right. This he's. Just, he just confident during the PK though. He well, his penalty was great, and he played. He had a good 20-minute run in the second half. Non-factor in the first half. He may have been the worst U.S. player in the first half, just because he didn't touch the ball. So, Yunus Musa, the other young player, didn't come in. This was a situation where Berhalter leaned into some of those younger players, but the one guy whose stock really rose is Tim Weah. He came in early. And remember, he played for uh, the French champions, so even though he'd play all the time, he, he got this incredible experience. Lil finished ahead of PSG, finished ahead of Mbappe and Neymar. I think he's going to put his hand up. He stretched the and field a lot. And for Dest, right? Yeah, Dest came out early. Yeah. So that... that I Wea was that, better than Dest. I, I found that a little bit interesting. Why did you think uh, you wanted to It doesn't that? work. It, the way they use the fullbacks... The way they use the fullbacks not working with a back three... Or a back four, that's gotta be fixed. You gotta have Dest out there. He's just such a dynamic player. But this wasn't his finest hour this week either. But I think with the US, which is good, is that you have seven or eight of these good young players. If four or five of them pan out, even if less than that, it's good. And there's another pipeline of young players that are gonna be eager to get on this team. This yeah. is a cool team to play for. Everyone's gonna be, I wanna play on this US team. Yeah, um, there. I, I feel like at the end of the day, though, neither team showed complete promise to do no. any major noise come 2022. No. At least Both not, need not, a lot of yeah, work. At least at least from what we saw today. Um, I think they're entertaining when they, when they play each other. I think that they bring out the best in each other sometimes, or the worst, you know, depending on how you look at it. But um, definitely have a lot to go if these teams want to compete with any of those European powerhouses, even the South American powerhouses. Do you think these teams have any issues qualifying? So let's go to World Cup qualifying. They're going to be in a group with... They'll be in the final group. We don't know the all eight teams, but we know it's going to be Honduras, Costa Rica, Jamaica, probably Canada. I don't know who Panam else. Panama? Maybe. Trinidad and Tobago, no. no. They're out. There'll be a smaller team. There may be El Salvador. I, no, both will clinch, but um, it's not going to be a walk in the park. Uh, I think that from what we saw on Thursday, both of them struggled. I mean, they took like the U.S. last-minute goal, and uh, Mexico had to go into penalties to get their W. So, you know, at least those two teams are going to give them hell. That's just whether they play at home or on the road, right? But then, quantify going down to Central America or the Caribbean and playing in those We've seen it time and time again. We saw it with the U.S. against TNT. Yeah, they're not in the, in, the, um, in the qualifiers anymore. But going down to Jamaica or anywhere else in CONCACAF, it's tough, man. Especially if you're thinking about a lot of these characters that are now playing in Europe in these very pristine fields, right? And now they're going to have to go down there and play with the they're, fans. None of these guys are used to that. That's a great exactly, point. Exactly, exactly. But think about it. Jamaica, it's going to be tough. You can maybe have the situation like with Trinidad and Tobago going into a, a, a beat-up field, maybe waterlogged on the week. Who knows? 
qualifying maybe November, December, January, February, going up to Canada where it's going to be cold. It's going to be quite a contrast of, and we know about the challenges at Honduras and Costa Rica. They don't go there. I think that that could be a problem for this young team. They're going to be like, what is this? I usually have a, uh, I have a, uh, an escort to the stadium. <laughs> exactly. I have a limo driver. I have slippers waiting for me. Uh, I can sleep in the finest hotels. I now I'm in San Pedro Sula. <laughs> With the horns tooting the till horns. like four in the morning. That's and, a concern. Yeah. And that, and that, More so for the U.S. and Mexico. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, a lot of these uh, youngsters are going to get a reality check the moment they go down to Central America. And, you know, the, uh, something that I thought, and I think about this with Mexico all the time, and that's why I was kind of pleased that, uh, at least during the pandemic, Tata was able to get, um, you know, some of these games to uh, in Europe, right? So those friendlies in Europe, I thought, were big for Mexico. But I think that the other uh, consideration or, or, or thing to, to consider for these coaches is to try to get their teams out in South America, Central America, for friendlies, right? It's like, stop playing the games here in your comfort zone. For Mexico, Mexico and that's a big issue because they, they play here in the States for money. It's such a big business for them. So at the end of the day, like, it sucks because I don't see that going away because of these multi-million dollar contracts. But, like, you need to get a lot of these, like, you know, uh, like they, they say, Fogearse, right? Fogearse. You need to like get these players that opportunity to test those type of waters, man, because it's not easy. You're going to go out there and their machetes are going to be coming in left and right from not just the, 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 the players or the refs, but the fans themselves. If you thought that what we saw today here was something with these fans, like 20, 30 fans throwing cups, Imagine what would happen in San Pedro Sula. Imagine what's going to happen in South Salvador or any other place like that. I don't want to think about that. Hey, where did Ramon go? <laughs> We're going to wrap it up. Ramon, you got a final thought? Hey, how about the beautiful people out in the stadium? Amazing. Great people watching, right? Amazing. <laughs> in more ways than one. But, no, but... But, but I, it was a fiesta. No. I needed a... When's the last time I haven't had a fiesta? I haven't gone out. But, but no, but, but I, I, I mean it in the sense of... of uh, of the family, the commodity, the everything that we saw today, right? We saw so many children, family members, and and, and it, it was it was lovely, man. Uh, we're gonna post a lot of pictures that we took yesterday from the fans that were there in attendance. And I, like I said, just taking away that incident that happened, uh, you know, after that that goal, uh, everybody was pretty well behaved for the most part, and it was good to see that, right? Because typically, like in the past. You see a lot of crap go down with these Mexico-U.S. matches. But I really enjoy the fact that the families were out. Most people were, were well-behaved. Uh, and hopefully that's the way that it continues. All right. Ramon, final thought of what you saw. You must. This was Ramon's first USA-Mexico game that he's worked and has been there and done this. And he's done a fantastic job. He does on-air work. He edits. He lugs bags. We're been lugging bags. We're here. We have four giant luggage pieces in the middle of the night. It's it's eleven. It's midnight. <laughs> what am I doing? It's midnight. We're sitting here. The only people here. So Ramon, it wasn't all. It had. It wasn't the splendor that you would probably imagine. But it was still cool. No, actually, I do think it was the splendor. Uh, again, <laughs> I, I, again, this is my first time, so this is only the only thing I can go off. But uh, I agree with Joe. It was just great to come back out and see the families, and that's what it's all about. We didn't get the result, but that just means that we have some work to do. Um, and I look forward to a, to a great summer, a busy Mexican summer. And so this is just the start. Only, uh, I mean, things can only get better, right? But <laughs> it's going to be a great time. And I appreciate you both for, for having me here. And, and, thank, and thank you to the OG. 
And uh, yeah, yeah, shout out to everybody else. Bye. Look at Ramon doing it. He knows how to play the game already. OG. So I was thrilled to be there. It was great to cheer in a full stadium and, and pump your fist. And I was like, I did start the, the evening in the suites. So I was up there just hobnobbing. I should have gotten more food. Should have got more food. I didn't. I had one modelo and then I had a water. So, but I was there and just scoring a goal and pumping and high fiving people. And I had the enchiladas at the press box. Uh, they weren't that great. Listen, the food situation, we said COVID's not, COVID's not over because the food situation where it's all pre packaged, I can't wait for that to end. And where you can't get hot food and. Ugh. But we'll be patient. We understand that's probably the last thing to come around. Plus, we want to go to our uh, a bar buffets, no? I want to put all the food oh, I in I miss there. that. <laughs> I miss that. I want so, to go to one of those Vegas buffets. Oh, no, no, it's so depressing. <laughs> Speaking of Vegas, that could be the next meeting for these two. Gold Cup final, that's where it's going to be. That will be bananas. Please make it happen. Let's keep them. At least we got this first one under our belt. So if it doesn't happen with the Gold Cup, we had this. It's going to be different teams for USA and Mexico, but the odds are in their favor to make the final. Keep an eye on Cutter, though. That's the one that could make it a little bit interesting. We're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to be back with stoppage time, a brief stoppage time to get ready for the summertime. This is the Soccer OG. Signing off from Denver with El Tri Online, Joe and Ramon. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Soccer OG. Time now for stoppage time. We'll keep it brief. By the way, I've run the gamut of audio on this week's edition. I did a segment from the parking lot. I did a segment from inside the suite. I did a segment from the restaurant there with Joe and Ramon. And now I do it here from my hotel room. So you're hearing all sorts of audios. You heard ambulances, you heard police cars, you heard people in the background. Uh, we, we, we had some undesirables come up to us. It's been, a, it's been quite an evening. But uh, I just wanted to wrap it up here and just tell you all, you know, what we did here and enjoy getting back to seeing live sports. It's been a long time. And now, you know, I felt it. Maybe we were way accelerated with the return to sports on this Sunday night in Denver. But it probably felt better with a few less people. But still, it was it was good. It was good to cheer. It was good to pump your fist. And we'll get these opportunities because now the patience... And the discipline that we have put in, we have incredible competitions coming that we get to enjoy. The Euros will begin on June the 11th, right around the corner. And a special podcast coming out early next week to preview it before the games. Taylor Twelman is going to be joining me. He's going to be all over the coverage of it on ESPN. I'm really looking forward. It's always a great competition. We have the Gold Cup, maybe a second meeting for USA and Mexico. That begins on July the 10th. Finals in Las Vegas. There's a, a possibility of a USA-Mexico final. Some of these other countries may get may get uppity and get in there, but a lot of them are going to be busy focusing on the World Cup. So to think Canada or Jamaica or a country of, of, is going to rise up and compete and, and give them their first team is unlikely. The one team you got to be worried about is Qatar. Cutter, by the way, who pulled out of the Copa America, they'll remain in the Gold Cup. I, they have a good enough team, and obviously they're hosting the World Cup, so they don't have to worry about qualification. So they're going to bring in a, They have a good team. They, they bought a lot of that team, but they brought in a good team. We'll have the World Cup. By the way, the World Cup qualifiers were back here. It was fantastic to watch the South American games 
it, it hurts not to have fans. And now when they're getting fans in other places, and we're going to see that in the Euros, if you look at the Euros, they said some venues, and they're all over Europe, from England and Scotland, there'll be games in Azerbaijan, there'll be games in Hungary, they'll be all over the place. So, And there'll be different levels of fans back. So you're going to enjoy that. But not in South America. And they have the Copa America. And it really seems like it's about time that they cancel that. The Copa America reminds me of the knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He gets his arm chopped off, keeps coming, gets his other arm chopped off, then his leg, and then the other leg, and then he's a stump of a human being. And it's like, well, well we shall call it a draw. It's like the Copa America's got to just... The latest is, the you know, we moved from, got it out of Colombia, now it was in Argentina. Argentina can't host it, so it goes to Brazil. All these countries with different levels of COVID concerns. And now Casemiro and Chiche, the Brazilian coach, saying that they are considering a boycott. And it got political. They went to Bolsonaro, the president, who is not very well viewed within Brazil, outside of Brazil. However your politics are, he is... he. If they had those uh, those those levels that we did of popularity, he would he would not be doing so fair. But I'm not going to get into that. But they pushed back to Casemiro and Chiche, and there's even talk that they're going to replace Chiche with Renato Gaucho to be the new coach. They're going to get rid of him because they don't want to do it. They don't want a part of it. Why is Brazil so hell-bent in hosting it? It wasn't theirs in the first place. I don't think players are going to go. The uh, the head of Comebol and the uh, the Brazilian government had a Zoom call. They asked the captains of each team. None of them agreed to show up. This is supposed to begin June 13th. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And I'm, as a fan, maybe we've got to stand up and go, we don't want to see it. But I think the players will obviously have to make a very tough decision. And I don't want to put a damper out because we have a lot of good football to watch in. And we'll see USA and Mexico when they start World Cup qualifying in September. This has been the Soccer OG. This has been a great weekend for me. Hope you enjoyed some of the content. Check me out on my YouTube page at Max Bretos. We have Max Bretos, as my mom would like me to say repeatedly. And we have some great videos that we were able to produce out of there. Very proud of what we've been able to do. Uh, this is going places, and you guys have been here from the beginning, and I appreciate you. Soccer OG, subscribe, rate, review. And we'll be back next week, early next week, with the Euro Preview.